0: Welcome to the official Substack of Brandon Ritchie podcast episode. Today's date is February the 13th, 2024, and the title of today's episode is The Hedge. There are three highlights I'm going to touch on throughout today's episode. The first is, what is the significance of Boston, Massachusetts in our recent history? Uh, That's the first highlight. The second is, When was the first sign of cultural rot starting to show up in our media in a profound way? That's the second highlight. The third is, what ancient civilization demonstrated entropy in a way that parallels the United States right now? Okay, and now let's get into it. Again, the title is The Hedge. Preface, quote, To hedge effectively, you have to reject the silo mentality and instead embrace the system's thinking mentality. End quote. Hendrith Vanland Smith, Jr. Speaking of a silo mentality, this is the entire methodology of the current era of the federal government. We're living in a time that former Naval Intelligence Officer Jack Posobiec refers to as the era of regime politics, the grifting off of the American taxpayer has gradually fed the monster of the federal government and nurtured it into the destructive leviathan that it currently is, which is wreaking havoc daily and is literally at war directly against the American people. The silo mentality I'm referring to is the one in which the administrative state agencies such as the FBI, CIA, DEA, IRS, and so on, apparently don't want to share everything they're doing with the public's tax dollars. We can gather this from all the hearings that have taken place on the Hill, yet nobody in the federal government from Fauci to the UFO department wants the American people to know what they are doing with your tax dollars. It only becomes an issue when something goes wrong, like with the pandemic, or when we see brave whistleblowers come forward to testify and and to give the public a little peek behind the curtain with some inside baseball. As I'm sure you're aware, the point is, that while all of this cloak and dagger garbage going on, the public still appears to have short memories, which is exactly why this podcast and blog exist. This is why I'm using today's episode to show you exactly why having a short-term memory can be absolutely detrimental and very dangerous to you. specifically with the picture I'm about to paint for you. Keeping that in mind, I want you to know that I'm not here to paint a doom and gloom picture and to try to demoralize you. On the contrary, I'm here to simply put on and display a piece of objective reality for you to observe. And through your own growth as a zenith, you will be able to connect the dots of reality for yourself so that you can develop into another emissary of freedom that the country so desperately needs right now. With that in mind, we are the Army of the Awaken. And if you support this program, you're well on your way to becoming a zenith and, most importantly, an emissary of freedom. So allow me to begin by first laying the predicate involving the degradation of our culture and how it's obvious to me, and should be to you, that your government and big business are truly nefarious and hate you. This is not an exaggeration, and I will give you first-hand evidence that you can easily observe and see how this trend of cultural right has come on more and more gradually over time and is now running full steam ahead while being completely up in your face, not even trying to hide their hate for you at this point. Uh, Before I continue, I want to interject here for just a moment. If you're a first-time listener, I want to give you the breakdown on the purpose, the task and purpose of this blog, if you will. Uh, This podcast serves as a map to help you and those around you to be a zenith during chaotic times. And that term zenith means at your peak, at your best, The way we do this is we have to be more adaptive citizens. We have to adapt to environment and you have to be an emissary of freedom. And being an emissary of freedom, that means you're like a scout, a scout that's well-informed, armed with the artillery of information, the information of understanding the environment, the political environment, the economic environment, uh, everything that goes on in your world, the professional career environment, health environment, everything in your environment. And understanding that environment, the key is that you have and you will be equipped with the knowledge as a zenith to not only adapt to that environment, but to directly impact that environment with your actions and your choices. And that's power. That's the power you wield as an individual citizen of the United States for now. As long as we have that power, we have to exercise that power in my view. If we do not exercise it, That power is stripped from us. It is taken from us. And so in this blog, in this podcast, the whole point is to help to shape you into that zenith, to provide tools, to provide information, information that's documented, information on human nature, understanding human nature. And that information is documented in history, culture. Uh, It's documented in finance. It's documented in health. It's everywhere around us, and that's the key, is being able to observe these things as they play out in real time. And if you are a first-time listener and you do like the messaging here, I ask that you subscribe, and you can subscribe at BrandonRichie.substack.com. If you're already on the site, scroll down, simply scroll down below the fold, and you can see where you'll have login buttons, uh, login boxes that you can hit there and submit your email to get updated Uh, On notification of a new publication. Additionally, if you want to uh, put that emissary of freedom on steroids and support an anti-administrative state network here with this platform, you can become a paid member, which is about the cost of a cup of coffee per month. It allows you to access paid content as well as all the free content here on the site as well. Also stay tuned with that because I want here in the very near future, I want to monetize this, but I want to do it in a way where you know uh, that you're that I'm working for you, and that I'm not some paid shill for some big media corporation. Because I assure you guys that I'm not. Uh, but on that note, I will have other ways to to monetize here coming soon. But in the meantime, you can support the platform that way, and I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, I'm also available on alternative platforms such as Spotify. Uh, TuneIn Pocket Cast, Apple Podcast. If you're on Apple and Spotify, leave it a review. Give me a follow. Hit the five-star rating. Any and all engagement, particularly here on the Substack, your comments, your likes, your comments directly on the Substack platform here. If you don't have the app for it, you can get the app. You just scroll down this episode here on the Substack You'll see that there is an app button there that you can download the Substack app directly on your phone to engage the content, and I want to strongly encourage you to do that because that engagement makes this show go, and that's the only way it works. So, all right, back to business, heading Boston, Massachusetts. Before I get into the nuts and bolts of this episode here, I'm going to paint a picture for you that may send a chill down your spine. But just know at the end of all of this, I'm going to offer a solution. After all, this show is about both identifying problems and solving them. So please don't despair, but rather understand that I want you to stand strong and to be that zenith that I'm always encouraging you to be in your daily life so that together we can overcome whatever may be coming down the tracks to try to derail us as a nation. On that note, let's get into it. It was a sunny day back in April of 2013 when many spectators lined the streets of Boston to cheer on several runners in one of America's most celebrated events involving the Boston Marathon. However, even though several thousand spectators and many competitive runners were there to enjoy a friendly competition along with the beautiful scenery of the day, it quickly turned into a nightmare as two homemade bombs detonated at the finish line. Even more disturbing, these two bombs were timed to detonate on a delay around 12 seconds apart. This terrorist attack immediately killed three people and injured 281 others, causing severe injuries to some, where they sadly left the event that day to soon become amputees. The city was in shock, but the mayhem was only getting started. In the wake of this terrorist attack, the Boston area went on complete lockdown by the authorities in fear that the perpetrators would strike again. We would later learn that there were two brothers that were responsible for the attacks, one being a 26-year-old Chechen, uh, Tamerlan, Tsarnaev, and the other being his 19-year-old brother, Chokar Tsarnaev. And for four and a half days, these two brothers single-handedly forced the lockdown of the entire Boston area and managed to stress every level of law enforcement from the local, state, and federal authorities. I remember how shocked I was about this at the time when it happened. The older brother would end up dying of injuries from a shootout with the police, but the younger brother was eventually seen by a citizen in his backyard hiding and then was captured by police. Now, I'm not going to pretend to understand the motives that were associated with these two that were responsible for murdering and injuring so many people. Additionally, the four days of chaos involved several other things involving the carjacking and kidnapping of one individual by the brothers who fortunately was able to escape them and eventually issued a call to authorities. SourceHistory.com There was so much chaos, and this continued up until the point that they even cornered the younger brother at the property of the citizen as he was hiding in a boat. Ultimately, there would be over 100 police officers that would converge onto the scene to surround the younger brother. It was at this point that one of the police officers would end up firing on the boat without authorization and others, thinking the shot came from the boat, joined in on opening fire towards the suspect. After the pandemonium was settled, the police determined that the suspect was still alive using infrared technology from a police helicopter and eventually the suspect emerged and was taken into custody. Now, why am I going to the trouble of taking you on a little stroll down memory lane to remind you of these two little terrorists from the Boston Marathon in 2013? Now, before I answer that, I don't want you to misunderstand my message here, as this is not just me coming down on the police and law enforcement community. That is not the point of this whatsoever. I remember at the time I had a conversation with one of my students who was praising the wonderful job of the authorities and how well they handled this obviously difficult situation at that time. However, I had a more critical and different perspective on the situation that I enlightened him to at that time, and I can can remember his reaction towards me was one of almost being borderline offended. Again, I wasn't trying to come down on the police, but merely pointing towards observing objective reality. I am pointing to the reality that it only took these two brothers— to literally lock down an entire major city while also straining resources of the local, state and federal authorities for four and a half days. I mean, think about that. It was just these two brothers and these two brothers alone that carried out what the nation would consider to be a massive disruption of civilian life along with the fact that they managed to strike fear into the hearts and minds of the public during this time of chaos that they managed to successfully create. Once again, This is not a criticism of the local police authorities, given the circumstances. But let's take a look at some of the righteous criticism that is deserved in regards to the systems that were in place to allow this to happen. First and foremost, we can look at the citizenship of the two brothers. Apparently, uh, Tamerlan Sarnarev passed the U.S. citizenship test just a few months before he helped carry out the Boston Marathon bombings according to heavily redacted Department of Homeland Security documents that were obtained by the Boston Globe. Once again, I ask, why do we always run into the problem of secrecy whenever we're trying to get to the bottom of the truth? Obviously, I'm referring to the redactions, as this is an ongoing frustration, as this always seems to be the tactic used to hide the truth from the public in these sorts of situations. But I digress. Regardless, According to the Christian Science Monitor, the documents were released to the Globe as a result of the Freedom of Information Act, and the result that was shown was one where Tamerlan Tsarnaev passed the U.S. citizenship test just a few months prior to his act of terrorism. Apparently, showed that he passed with only getting one incorrect answer. Of course, it also showed, with what is public knowledge, that he swore his allegiance to the United States and denied any links to terrorism. I guess we all know how much his word is worth at this point. Unless you've been asleep at the wheel for the past three years, then you would know that the cultural right that we're seeing now is something that the domestic enemies of the United States aren't even trying to hide anymore. In fact, the administrative state's hatred towards you and myself being US citizens is quite obvious to most everyone right now at this point in time in our history. However, in the battle against society's short term memory, I wanted to highlight this attack from the Boston Marathon bombings to illustrate that the cultural right and the cracks in our societal government systems were really starting to show more blatantly at this point with this particular event. As a big leadoff example of the right starting to show itself within our culture and society, it was our administrative state media, the ASM, that decided that on July 17, 2013, Only three months after the Boston Marathon bombing, Rolling Stone magazine decided to feature the younger brother little terrorist scumbag on the cover of their magazine, Source Rolling Stone. Now, Rolling Stone would use the flimsy excuse of doing this by stating that the decision for the cover was in line with traditional journalistic practices. As absurd as that statement is, considering the damage the ASM has caused our country, it's a ridiculous position for Rolling Stone to take. Why do I say this? The question isn't whether or not Rolling Stone had the right to post the picture of the terrorist on the cover of their magazine. The, the question that should be asked is whether it was the right thing to do given that period of time and the event that had just taken place at that time. That's the distinction here. Obviously, the ASM always claims they care about the freedom of press, but they certainly don't mind opposition media being censored for offering an alternative perspective that may conflict with their narrative. I suppose they're just fine with the freedom of the press as long as that freedom solely applies to them, their stories, their markets, and their narrative. Outside of that, freedom of the press and free speech itself has no grounds in their world. So realistically, they do not care for freedom of speech or freedom of the press. So when they take that position, they're continuing to demonstrate that they're the biggest hypocrites in the room. Yet people still support them over outlets like this one. But I digress. Heading Entropy In the second law of thermodynamics, the concept of entropy involves the measure of the disorder of a system. Within a given system, entropy describes how much energy is not available to do work. In short, the more disordered a system is, this means that the entropy is higher, which results in less and less work being done, due to the fact that there is less and less of a system's energy available in order to do the work. Source open stacks. Basically, entropy involves the loss of order. Speaking on the topic involving the loss of order, this has happened to every civilization throughout history with what is referred to as the collapse of a complex system. Like Rome, the collapse of complex systems is happening to the United States right now. According to the Roman philosopher Seneca, when he wrote to his, friends, his friend Lucilius, he expressed the opinion that life would be much happier if things would decline as slowly as they grew. According to Seneca, he noticed that unfortunately, quote, increases of, are of sluggish growth, but the way to ruin is rapid, end quote. Just like the second law of thermodynamics points out with entropy, this similar concept can also be referred to as the Seneca effect, source, the tablet. As Seneca points out, the harsh reality surrounding this concept is that it always comes and it can present itself in multiple ways within the construct of our lives. If you think about it, you know that when ruin comes, in many cases it can be sudden, unpredictable, rapid, and destructive. Aside from the individual examples ranging from household to household, Family to family or individual to individual, the concept of ruin is also true concerning the existence of civilizations. If you can take a moment and look around at the United States, you have to ask yourself the question how could our country be any different? After all, if you can engage in the act of observing objective reality, you know that our borders are non existent at this point, and human trafficking has now given rise to the United States engaging in the world's modern day slave trade. Under the watchful eye of Joe Biden and company, as horrific as this is, we are also getting a front-row view to the collapse of our currency and probably our monetary and financial systems in a way that we never that never could have dreamed up over a hundred years ago. Like Rome, we are overextended with military bases stationed all over the world in an attempt to play the world's police, even in the face of the majority of American citizens who do not want that role or vouch for it in the least. When you combine this with the fact that there are record homeless American citizens that are starving on our own streets, you have to ask the obvious question of why are we sending billions of dollars to Ukraine in an attempt to secure their borders while we speed up the ruin of our own? Why these simp Ukraine-supporting Americans can't see this is beyond me. According to that well-written article in the tablet concerning the mechanism of collapse, it compares the interlinking network to one of those old-school popsicle stick bombs we used to make when I was a kid in elementary school. This notion of the popsicle stick bomb, though completely harmless, serves as a great illustration of how an interlinking network of a system is held together while also simultaneously demonstrating how fast it can also come apart. You see, in the popsicle stick bomb construction you essentially have four popsicle sticks with the two middle sticks being overlapped in the center like the letter X. Solely through the application of leverage, you can bend the other two sticks by placing them into a firmly held position by utilizing the force of leverage of each stick against the other at the outer ends of the X and by finally joining the outer two sticks at a single point at the top is the final point of leverage. These Entertaining little toy popsicle stick bombs have served to irritate grade school teachers across the nation for decades. But for the purpose of this discussion, it is the perfect illustration of how systems are reliant on each other because of how they are connected to one another within the function of a civilization. The points where the sticks touch are known as nodes, and these nodes are connected by the links, or in the case of the stick bomb, it would be the links or the sticks themselves. It's when one of these nodes lets go of a link, the collapse moves to another node. This can also be referred to as a domino effect, a cascading failure. Once again, we can use the term Seneca effect. All in all, entropy sets in fast on the way to ruin as the order of the system is completely lost in rapid fashion. In terms of the Roman Empire's collapse, it's been a topic that has fascinated historians For quite a long time. The long-standing question that many people have frequently asked is, why did it happen? Well, like the United States, the Roman Empire was a massive network. This network of trade and services spanned across the Roman Empire in the form of people who traded in a variety of industries related to food, goods, and services. Like any industry, the driving factor associated with the Roman Empire's economic system was money. However, In the case of the Roman Empire, that money was based on precious metals in the form of silver and gold, which were predominantly mined in northern Spain by the Romans. This worked fine as long as the mines were producing what was needed for the empire. As long as the Romans could continue to extract the metals from the mines, they could afford to pay their military, their bureaucrats, and their workers. However, if you really pause to think about it, this was a system that was not one that could be sustained forever. The source of energy that drove the work was the, was the money, but as the money dried up, there was less energy available as entropy started to set in. After all, mining was expensive, and even though they used slave labor to extract the metals from the mines, the slaves still required food, shelter, and tools. Sure, they could extract many metals from easier, more accessible veins, but once again, those, well, once those were tapped, rather, they would be forced to dig deeper for more cumbersome and less concentrated veins. Because of these increasingly difficult demands, the operation required more and more manpower, more tools, and more resources in order to sustain the venture. By the 3rd century, Anno Domini, the mining operation for the Roman Empire had completely collapsed, and with it, entropy started to set in. At this point, much of the gold started disappearing, A great deal of it got dispersed to pay for other luxury goods that were located in China, such as silk. Sounds familiar, right? On a side note, this is another reason domestic manufacturing is so important. So getting back on target here, the point is that no gold meant no money, and no money meant that the Roman Empire couldn't continue to pay their troops. Since there was no money to pay the troops, there were no troops to repel the invading barbarians, like the Visigoths. Again, this sounds eerily familiar to the United States right now, right? The point is that the financial house of cards came crashing down and there was no money to pay the judges, the bureaucrats, the police, and the workers that were tasked with infrastructure. It's no surprise why that Roman Empire collapsed when you examine the details. Heading the Wrap-Up In short, there are many parallels between the United States' and the Roman Empire, but to me the beginning cracks of ruin were really started as far back as World War II with FDR's New Deal, which laid the foundation that grew the administrative state into the Leviathan that it is today. However, the cultural rot started to really show itself back in 2013 when those two brothers murdered and maimed those innocent people at the Boston Marathon. Following this tragedy, it was only three months later that Rolling Stone magazine gave one of those terrorists plenty of notoriety for his efforts by putting his face on the front cover of their magazine. Furthermore, after looking at the extent of damage those two brothers were able to cause by themselves, fast forward to now and we know we have over 20 million illegals who have literally invaded our country with an estimated 100,000 of those being Chinese nationals that are young single men of military fighting age. If the two brothers managed to cause as much damage as they did back in 2013, how much damage can 100,000 potential bad actors cause here in the States today? Even more disturbingly, would there be enough magazine covers to give them a similar level of notoriety as the Boston Marathon bombers if they're successful? Combine this with the fact that, like Rome, we are seeing the money dry up here in the States as our currency is being destroyed right in front of our face with Biden weaponizing it towards Russia and with the Federal Reserve printing literally trillions of dollars at the touch of a button. Look, I told you I was going to point towards some hard facts that would send a chill down your spine today, but I also said that I wasn't here to solely paint a gloom and doom picture, Sure, the facts are hard to swallow, but these facts are necessary if we are to seek solutions. So on that note, I want to hit on those very solutions and talk about how you can hedge and protect yourself against these chaotic forces. Ah, that's right. The hedge is the title of today's episode. In the world of finance, that term hedge means to take an offsetting position in an asset or some other investment in order to minimize the, the price risk or devaluation of a current position that may present itself to be riskier given the change of environment. Well, when you look at the huge influx of young military-aged Chinese national single men that have invaded the country, I interpret that as being a risky position. However, unlike Roman citizens, you being a United States citizen still do have a Second Amendment right, and you should look to maximize your efforts in exercising that right to hedge yourself i don't mean just deciding to go out and purchase a firearm but rather i'm referring to the fact that if you do go out to purchase a firearm that you should train to be proficient in using that firearm with a high level of precision and accuracy to me that's a smart hedge i'm not giving financial advice at all but if you're like me and looking at the destruction of the us dollar through economic warfare and how it's potentially being used in your investment portfolio to fund diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI, with woke companies, then perhaps your hedge is to examine that by looking to put your money elsewhere. Once again, I'm not telling you what to do with your money, but I am simply pointing out that if your money is being weaponized against you in a way that you discover for yourself, then perhaps you might choose to take action in order to hedge yourself with a different investment." That choice is yours and yours alone, but the environment that we're in is one that you must understand whether you like it or not. I know Rome used gold and silver as their primary currency, but those precious metals have a 5,000-year track record and are still used today as a hedge on inflation. With the threat of the dollar losing its status as the world's primary reserve currency, I'm personally a believer in diversifying with gold and silver, but I am only speaking for myself when I say that. Another area of concern to me is the supply chain system in the United States. Like the popsicle stick bomb I referenced earlier, the nodes of the supply chain are at risk of flying apart, which could in turn trigger the Seneca effect on the supply of food, medication, and other goods. The longer these communists within the ranks of our government are in control, to me signals that the risk of a supply chain disaster or really high. Therefore, I personally choose to invest in additional food reserves and also happen to be a hunter. Perhaps investing in some extra food storage is also another smart hedge for you to examine. Once again, that choice is completely up to you. In addition to this, it's easy to see how these big corporations in the United States have gone woke and are literally at war with their own customers being the United States citizens. To hedge against this chaos I'm a huge proponent of the parallel patriot economy. As a smart hedge against this woke madness, I am choosing to do my best at supporting Freedom First and America First businesses as much as I possibly can. Perhaps this is something you may choose to look at as a hedge for you and your family as well. I'm not trying to issue a shameless plug, but if you're in search of a Freedom First business, you can choose to support this platform. The bottom line to all of this is that in the face of all of this chaos, the true hedge against all of this risk is you and you alone. You must work to secure up all your own nodes and personal supplies by making yourself more independent from the very system that is causing the ruin of society. We have made ourselves too dependent on the very institutions that are now actively working to accelerate us towards ruin. The communists are actively rolling out the red carpet for entropy, but you don't have to choose to lose in order or to lose order in your own household this is exactly why i adopted the tagline for this show pointing towards helping you to be a zenith during chaotic times of course the biggest hedge of all is putting your faith in god and acting on your faith by helping as many people as you can. I hope you enjoyed today's article podcast. If so, I hope you would choose to support this platform as part of the Patriot economy as well. Be an emissary of freedom and help to push this piece out to your friends, family, and co workers. One way you can do this right now is by joining me and giving me a like here on Public SQ. This platform is directly tied to the support of the Freedom First movement by allowing you to line up your purchasing power with the businesses that share your values. In order for both you and me to influence and strengthen our society, we must not stay idle, so please make sure you hit the subscribe and share buttons here below. Spreading messages like this one is how we influence our culture, and I need your help in order to do it. Also, listen to this episode here on Spotify, Apple Podcast, TuneIn, Pocket Cast. Uh, If you like the podcast and the message, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating on the Spotify platform, Also, to connect with me, please make sure you join me here on Facebook, Getter, True Social, and now Substack Social Media Notes. Stay strong, stay focused, stay active, and have a great day.